In uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, if you found your place, to stand please, and we'll read a few verses here. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and uh, I'm thankful to be able to preach tonight, excited what the Lord's going to do for us. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, in verse number 1, the Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. He says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me, give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we sure do thank you for all you've done. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here. God, thank you for allowing us to be able to congregate together. God, I pray that you'd meet with us tonight. God, I pray that you'd touch me and anoint me in a special way. God, help me to say that, that you want me to say and nothing else. God, I pray that we leave here saying that you met with us and that you did great things for us. And God, we'll give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory for all that you're going to do tonight. We ask it all in your name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. And as I begin to look at this, this is kind of an interesting passage. Everybody's heard it and everybody's heard messages on it before. But to kind of get to what I want to get to tonight, I want to back up a couple chapters and just kind of show you where we're at. Chapter number one. He talks about his introduction as Paul goes through and he introduces himself and he spends some time. He calls himself an apostle. He actually calls himself seven different things in this chapter. He calls himself an apostle, a father, a servant, a prisoner, a preacher, a teacher, and a sufferer. And that's a pretty good resume, I think. He's got a, he's got a lot there in that chapter. But the context of this is he's giving us his introduction and he's beginning to tell us what he's going to do and what he plans to do. He gives us kind of an update in chapter number, in uh, verse 1, chapter 1, the end of the chapter. He begins kind of talking about what's been going on recently and all that he's been through. And he gives us his introduction in chapter number 1. In chapter number 2, he gives Timothy some instructions. As, chapters, as chapter 2 is one of the most important chapters for young people, I believe. It just goes through and it begins to teach. And he begins to show Timothy all the things that a young person should be, all the things a preacher should be. And he begins to show him all the things that Timothy would be able to act, the way he would need to act, how he'd handle himself in certain situations. Because we know Timothy was a young man. As the Bible says, let no man despise thy youth. And so he's beginning to go through and he outlines some things for Timothy to do here and some instructions for him. In chapter number three, he gives us some information about the end times. He's telling us about the period of time that'll be here. He says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And boy, if we're not in these, I don't know where we're at. And if you don't believe that, I don't know where you've been. But I believe we're in these perilous times. And you know, for Paul to say it was perilous, it had to be pretty bad. I mean, Paul had been through a lot. Paul had seen a lot. But he said, there's coming a time. It'll be something like we've never seen before. But he says, he says there'll be a perilous time shall come. He talks about the personality of the people in this time. And he goes through and he spends almost nine verses here, I believe it is, talking about the different types of people who would be here. He says, For men should be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And he just goes through and he just lists everything that these people will be. And can I tell you, if you don't believe that we're here, all you got to do is open the door and listen to the neighbors talk, turn on the news, read the newspaper, whatever you want to do. We are in these days. These people fit this description. All you got to do is just open the door and look outside and you'll see people living exactly the same way he talks about here. So he talks about the personality of people in the end times. 
But then he talks about the, the promise of persecution. He said, yea, and all that will live godly, and Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And he said, look, if you're going to live for God in these times, he said, just go ahead and mark it down. Go ahead and take it for granted. He said, there's going to be persecution. There's going to be some things you're going to have to face. There's going to be some things that they're going to throw up against you. Because when you bring these perilous times and these people together, and you try to mix Christianity with it, there's going to be friction. There's going to be some things that just don't go. So he talks about persecution here. He talks about the perpetuity of sinners. He says, just when you think, think things can't get no worse, he says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He said, look, when it seems like there's nothing else can go wrong, he said, everything else will just continually get worse. He said, they will wax worse and worse. But he talks about the purpose of the scriptures here. He says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And he says, Timothy, what's going to get you through these perilous times and what's going to help you deal with these people is going to be the Word of God. And I tell you, if there's anything that we can hold on to, there's anything that will always be there, it will always be His Word. He said from generation to generation, His Word will always be there. Now I'm thankful for that, but the purpose of the Scriptures is to help the man of God, to hold him up and to keep him balanced so that he doesn't fall away to these people in these end times. So he talks about the context here. In chapter number 4, he talks about an inclination that I want to look at a little bit later. But he goes through and he gives Timothy a charge here. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's kind of interesting. You know, Timothy probably really wasn't expecting all that he just heard. He probably really wasn't expecting to hear all this about the end times. I mean, Paul's just been telling him everything he needs to do in chapter 2. And he's ready to go out and he's ready to fight the devil and take over the world. But then Paul in chapter 3 starts talking about all these things that are going to happen. All these people that are going to be here. I'm sure he's getting a little worried and a little confused. And as he reads chapter number 3 and he begins chapter 4, I begin to wonder, you know, is he really, is he really as steadfast as he once was after hearing all that in chapter number 3? Is he really as committed as he once was? Well, if there's any doubt about that, Paul said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, look, if you've got any doubts, if you've got any reservations, he said, just throw them to the side. I've got something that I need you to do. He said, I've got a charge for you to take. But why does he have this charge? It's because of these times. He said, they're going to wax worse and worse. And we need some men of God who will stand. We need some men of God who will pray. He will thunder from the pulpit what I have to give to you. So what is this charge? What all does it have to deal with? Well, it's a very singular charge. It's, I charge thee. You know, it wasn't for everybody. It wasn't for, it was just for Timothy. And I tell you, we each have something specific that God wants us to do, a specific plan for our lives. And that is what Paul is referring to here for Timothy. So I charge thee. It's a very serious charge. As the Bible says, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. If Timothy failed in this charge, it wouldn't be that he failed Paul, it would be that he failed God. It would be that he failed the one who had created him and the one who had saved him, the one who had called him to preach. Say, if we fail and if we don't do what God tells us to do, it's not hurting somebody else. And it might hurt them, but it's ultimately hurting him. It's ultimately hurting the one who created us. It's a very serious charge. He says that Timothy was charged and he charged him before God. It was a very sobering charge. As the Bible says, who shall judge the quick and the dead? His appearing in His kingdom. You know, but if we get a hold of this fact, then one day we'll have to give an account for everything we do, everything we say, everything we look at, everything we do would change our lives for time and eternity. He said, Timothy, just before you, know, before you get into this, I just need you to know that you're going to give an account for this one day of how you handled this, of how you took the charge and how you used it. So if we get a hold of that, it'd change our lives for time and eternity. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. 
He said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I tell you, we're going to give an account for how we spent today. We're going to give an account for how you listen in this room, how I preach in this room. I'm going to give an account for that at the judgment seat of Christ. That's a very important thing to think about. Can I tell you, when God calls us and he sends us out to do what he wants us to do, we need to remember we're going to have to give an account for this one day before God. But what is it that's so serious? And what is it that Paul is telling him so earnestly to go do? Well, he tells him to preach. He says, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. That, pre- that word preach means the public proclamation of the gospel and the matters pertaining to it. You know what Paul says? It's so serious. That so, or he's so earnestly telling him, I need you to share the gospel with those people that are lost and dying and on their way to hell. And he had something that he said, he said you've got the greatest gift that's ever been given to man. And I need you to go share it with those people out there. He wants him to preach and he wants him to give out the gospel. Paul said, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now, I wonder how much gospel people see in my life. I wonder how much gospel people see in your lives today as we went through our life. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Can tell you, there's not a wrong person to give the gospel to. There's not a wrong person that you can hand a tract to. If they're saved, they'll be thankful for it and they'll be glad for it that somebody else is out there handing out the gospel. And if they're lost, they need the gospel. And Paul is telling him, he said, I need you to preach. Well, then he wants him to be in place. It's that word instant means to, all, to be ready, to be at hand. Paul said, anytime there's an opportunity, anytime you have the chance, I want you to be ready to preach the gospel and to give out the gospel at every possible opportunity. He wants him to persevere. The Bible says be instant, in season, out of season. He said, look, when things are going good, when things are going bad, when things are happy, when things are sad, preach the gospel. Be in season, in season out of season. No matter the cause, no matter the weather, no matter what you feel like, be ready to give out the gospel. Paul's got the charge in Timothy to always be ready and to always be ready to give out the gospel. But he tells him to probe, as the Bible says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And all those words have to do with showing men their sin and showing them that they've sinned and come before God. They've fallen short and that there's none good enough. Paul has some very important things that he wants Timothy to do here. That's the charge that he has to give Timothy. But notice the conditions with me. As the Bible says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Paul's telling Timothy to do all these things because there's a time coming down the road when we won't be able to do them like we once could. We won't be able to hand hand out a track like we once were able to. We won't be able to preach with power like we once could. Why? Because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heat themselves teachers, having itching ears. He says, I've got some things to tell you about what's coming and what's coming down the pipe. He said, I need you to preach and get all you can and can all you get right now. Because there's coming a time we won't be able to preach like we once were. Why? Because they will not listen. That word endure means to bear with or listen. He said, look, you better preach all you can now. Because there's coming a time when they will not listen. They will not hear what you have to say. Say, we're living in that day right now. There's nobody who wants to hear the gospel. Nobody is excited about when they get handed a tract. They don't want anything to do with the gospel. But they said, he said, it will come a time when they want to endure sound doctrine. That's what we're living at today. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear about their sin. They don't want to hear that they're a sinner. They don't want to hear that they're going to go to hell if they die. But I tell you, that's exactly what Paul wants him to tell them them. But he said, there's coming a time when they're not going to listen to you. You've got the greatest message, the greatest gift the world has ever had. But there's coming a time when they're not going to listen to you. And that's amazing. But he said, these days will be characterized by a desire not to hear the truth. They just don't want the truth. They will not endure sound doctrine. That word sound doctrine has to do with true or incorrupt teaching. They just don't want anything to do with the truth. Paul said, you better start preaching. You better start living for God now. Because there's coming a time when they're not going to listen to what you have to say. But then he says you better preach and you better get ready because there's coming a time when they're going to follow their own lust. The Bible says for the time will come and they will not endure sound doctrine. 
But after their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers having itching ears. You know, people don't come to church anymore because they want to hear God. They just come to be entertained a lot of times. They don't come to listen. They don't come to learn. They just come to listen, to hear a good song or something that moves them. They don't mind singing because that's entertaining. But when it comes preaching time, all of a sudden they got to go to the bathroom and they got to step outside. Why? Because they don't want to hear the truth. He said, when they don't want to hear the truth, they're going to start looking for somewhere else to go. He said, they're going to follow their own lust. They're going to heap themselves teachers having itching ears. It's a proven fact that many occultists come from good godly homes and churches, good godly places. Why? Because they rejected the truth and now they're looking for something else. Anything else to get them away from the truth, that's what they're looking for. One person said, he began to take a church and he says, it's interesting that if I teach the book of Revelation, I can feel the church even during a midweek service. But if I begin teaching the epistle of the Romans, I can practically empty the church. He said, I find there are more people who are run all the way across this area to find out from a speaker just how many hairs are in the horse's tail in Revelation. He said, that's what they're worried about, it seems like. They don't want to hear about the gospel. All they want to hear about is the things that will happen in the end time, something new, something exciting, something that's not in the ordinary. And this person replied to him, he said, you're going to find out there are a lot more people in your ministry are more interested in the Antichrist than they are the Christ. And I tell you, that's exactly where we live at today. They're looking for anything new, anything away from the truth, anything to get them away from conviction, anything to get them away from realizing that they're a sinner. They're going to follow their own lust. Paul said, Timothy, you need to be preparing, you need to be getting ready, you need to be preaching. Why? Because there's coming a time when they're not going to listen. They're going to follow their own lust. I tell you, if they don't like the way you preach, they'll find somebody else down the road who preaches it the way they like it. That's just the way it is. It's been said they'll refuse what they need and they'll receive what they like and that's exactly the way it is we said they're not going to listen he said they're going to follow their own lust but then he said they're going to be lost as the bible says and they shall turn away their ears from the truth shall be turned unto fables can I tell you once they get to this point they've just decided they've come to the point of no return they want nothing to do with the truth they followed those teachers with the itching ears as the bible talks about always looking for something new and now they've completely turned away their ears. They don't want anything to do with the gospel anymore. They're turning their back on God and the truth. They're turning their back. What are they turning to then? The Bible says they're turning to fables. It means myths or fiction as opposed to fact. They, anything and everything that is not the truth is what they've turned to. And Paul said, look, you need to get ready. You need to be pre prepared. There's coming a day when they're going to be lost. He said, they're just going to turn their ears away. They're not going to have anything to do with you, Timothy. You know, when we, when we hear that, a lot of times, I don't think, I wouldn't have said what Paul said next, I don't think. I wouldn't have thought of that, but he said, he doesn't say what I thought he would say. He doesn't say, so give up and never do anything for God. He doesn't say, so just quit. He doesn't say, so there's nothing else to do, so just go ahead and go back to your old life. He says, they're not going to listen to you. That's not what he says. He says, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist to make foolproof of thy ministry. He said, even if they don't listen, even if they follow their own lust, even if you never win one of them to Christ, just keep doing what's right. Just keep preaching. Just keep living for God. Just keep preaching the gospel, giving out the gospel, doing what God's called you to do, no matter if they listen, no matter if anybody turns to God, no matter if anybody ever accepts the gospel, just keep preaching. Just keep going on. Even if we don't see one get saved, just keep on preaching. Even if no one has ever moved, he said, just keep singing. Even if they never take a track just keep handing them that track why why will, why will we do that because it's the right thing to do and that's what God's called us to do now I want to give you just a few minutes on just keep giving on just keep keeping on just keep keeping on no matter if they listen no matter if they do what you want them to do no matter if they're lost just keep serving God just keep living for God no matter if they do what you want them to do just keep living for God I tell you if Paul needs Timothy to be preaching someone who wasn't going to listen to him 
who was going to leave as soon as they could, who was going to turn their ears completely away to, from them. I wonder what Paul would tell Timothy to do. It's the same thing we need to do tonight. See, they may not listen to us. They may not hear what I want to have to say. They may not stick around to hear the whole message. But what is it Paul says to do in this time? Well, he gives us what we're supposed to do in verse number six or verse number five. He said, but watch thou on all things. He, that word watch means to be sober, calm, and collected. He said, look, he said, I know there's nothing more frustrating to be speaking and nobody listen to you. He said, but don't let that get to you. Just stay calm. Just stay collected. Stay where God wants you to be. Don't lose your temper and don't lose, you know, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. He said, because there's going to come a time when they, wanted, they wish they had heard what you had to say. And what are we supposed to do if they're not going to listen? We're just, to, we're just to stay calm and not get upset about it. But then he says in verse number five, he says, but watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. That word endure means to suffer evils and to be afflicted. Paul doesn't tell us to get out of suffering. Paul doesn't tell us to get out of trouble. He tells us to get into suffering. He said, endure afflictions. He said, look, it's come down the road. He said, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to persecute you. He said, just endure it. Just hold on a little bit longer. Just keep keeping on right through the middle of it, and it'll be worth it all one day. He said, preacher, what are we supposed to do if they're not going to listen? You're just going to keep keeping on. No matter what comes down the pipe, no matter what happens, no matter what they say to you, no matter what they say about you, just keep going on. Say, preacher, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do if they're not going to listen? We're supposed to bring the good tidings. As the Bible says, do the work of an evangelist. That word evangelist means one who brings good tidings. I tell you, there's a lot world out there dying. They may never accept it. They may never listen to it. But we're just going to take them the gospel one more time. We're just going to hand them a track one more time. We're going to say, you know, I'd like to give you something to read one more time. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. There was, you think about it, Timothy was a pastor. He wasn't an evangelist. But Paul wanted him to do the work of an evangelist. He wanted him to do something out of his comfort zone. Say, if we're just going to keep keeping on and keep serving God in these perilous times, it may get to a time where we have to do something that we just really don't enjoy doing, that's out of our comfort zone, that we're just not exactly sure how to do it. You say, well, what do I do? Just keep keeping on. Just do whatever God's put on your heart to do. Why? Because that's exactly what Paul wants us to do. He says, we just keep keeping on. He says, to be fully committed. So the Bible says to make full proof of thy ministry. That word proof has to do with carrying out fully. God, Paul said, look, he said, you're going to be tempted to turn away. He said, you're going to be tempted to get mad when they don't listen. You're going to be tempted just to walk away from it all. He said, but you need to be able to stand at the end of your life and look back one day and say, I did everything God called me to do. I did everything he asked me to do. I did nothing that he didn't. I did everything that he asked me to do. He wanted Timothy to make sure that he could come to the end of his life and say, I fully committed to God, and I fully sold out to God. If you're going to keep keeping on and doing what God wants you to do, you've got to be fully committed and fully surrendered to what God wants you to do. The Bible says that he told Timothy to meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them all, that thy profiting may appear to all. He said, Timothy, you've got to be sold out. Surrender, just do whatever God puts it on your heart to do if you're ever going to make it for God. So if you want to keep keeping on, you'll have to be committed and purpose in your heart to finish right. You say, well, preacher, that's good. I know kind of what I'm supposed to do, but where am I supposed to be looking during all this time? He says in verse number 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. The Bible says that mine eye affecteth mine heart. Everything that we see affects us in some way. So if we get to looking at the world and we get to looking at how they're turning us away and saying, I don't want the gospel, we'll get discouraged. But if we get to looking at the examples of the ones who've gone on and we'll keep our eyes on those who have played the trail for us, he says, you'll be able to keep keeping on for God. He said, well, what am I supposed to look at? He said he wanted to look at the saint that was about to pass on. He said, for I'm now ready to be offered. 
The time out of pasture is at hand. Tell you, somebody's got to take their place. Those saints have passed on, and the young people have got to step up and take their place. You know, think about the barns. You just sit right over here. Who's going to take his place? Who's going to give out those tracts like he did? Who's going to be the one to testify like he did? Like Brother Al and Brother Blue, on and on we could go. You say, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to keep keeping on and keep our eyes on those ones who blaze the trail for us. What am I supposed to look at, preacher? I'm getting discouraged looking at the world. We're supposed to look at the soldier that's looking at the past. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course and I've kept the faith. You think about it. Paul's about to offer his body for martyrdom. He's about to put his head on the chopping block. Why? For the cause of Christ. He's willing to pay the ultimate price. He's willing to face all that Nero has to throw at him. And look at what he says. He says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. He comes to the end of his life with a clear conscience saying, I've done everything that God wants me to do. I tell you, when we see somebody like him that's made it all the way through all the things that Paul went through, through the shipwrecks and the afflictions and all that he had been through, and when he made it, I tell you, if Paul can do it, there's no reason why me and you can't do it. I tell you, if Brother Barnes could go on and go all the way to glory shouting like he did, never losing a shout, there's no reason me and you can't do it too. If those preachers of yesteryear went on and did everything they were supposed to do, they fought the good fight and they finished the fate, there's no reason you and I can't do the same thing. You say, I'm getting discouraged, preacher. I don't know which way to look. Look to those ones who have gone on before. So we get discouraged. Remember, it's still possible to say what he said. It's still possible at the end of my life to say, I fought a good fight and I finished my course and I've kept the faith and that's my desire. I want to be able to look back and say, I did everything God told me to do. You say, well, preacher, I'm convinced that I can keep on keeping on and I, I know that I need to. I said, but if I'm going to suffer all this persecution that you're talking about, if I'm going to have to go through all these perilous times, and if it's going to be this hard and this much work, I have a question for you. Why in the world would I want to just keep on keeping on? Why in the world would it make sense? Why would it be worth it for me? If I'm going to suffer all this and go through all this, why would it be worth it for me to make it, me to keep keeping on? That's a very good question, but I believe we can answer it if we look at the text. What are we to be working on? Why, why should we do all this for God? Why should we do this? Well, number one, it's because we're commanded. He said, I charge thee therefore before God. And then in verse number, in verse number five, he says, but watch thou in all things. See, this isn't a question. This is a command. Paul said, you have no choice about the matter. If you want to be able to look back at the end of your life, say you did everything God wanted you to do, you're just going to have to keep on keeping on because you've been commanded to do it. And it is right. Say, if it was right 100 years ago, whenever this was written, it's still right today just to keep on keeping on doing it because God told us to do it. You say, well, preacher, I don't really understand why. Did God tell you to do it? Then just go do it. Just go get at it. And I tell you, that's what we're going to have to do if we're going to make it for Christ. We're just going to have to take these commands at face value. Say, God, I don't understand it. I don't know why, but you told me to do it, so I'm going to try my best to do that. You say, well, I serve him because of the commands. Is there anything else? We would serve him because of the crown in verse number 8. The Bible says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearance. You say, why would I serve him? It's because he's got a crown waiting for everyone who gives him their all, for everyone who serves him the way he asked them to. 1 Corinthians 9 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one man receiveth the prize. So run that ye might, might, might obtain. And every man that striveth with the mastery is temperate, or is mastery is 
intemperate things. He said, now they do obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. First Peter 5 says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. I say, why would I serve God? And why would I just keep keeping on? Because I want to receive a crown when I get to the other side. I want to receive one of those crowns. Be able to place it at his feet and thank him for saving me. Saving my unworthy soul. I want to have one of those crowns to give to him. The crown of a soul winner. The crown of righteousness. The crown of life. The crown of incorruption. The crown of glory. We'll be able to take those and to lay them at his feet. You say, preacher, why should I keep serving God? Why should I just keep keeping on? It's because of the crown that's waiting for us on the other side. I tell you, they'll be handed out fairly. You can be sure. The Bible says, the henceforth there is laid out for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day. I tell you, I'm glad it's not in anybody else's hands. We're just in the righteous judge's hands, and he'll reward me according to how I've served him. I tell you, it'll never, it'll, it'll never get stolen. It'll never get put away and forgot about. It'll never get lost. It'll never be delayed. It'll always be there for time and eternity. He has promised it to us. He said, preacher, why should I serve God? Because of the crown that he's promised. Verse number 9, he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He said, Preacher, why should I serve God? It's because there's some saints out there that need some comfort. Paul was in a prison cell. He was in a cell where he had no comfort. He had no, uh, none of the necessities of life that we would think of. He was, he was suffering in that cell just waiting to be killed. And he said, Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He said, Preacher, why is it important for me to serve God? Because there may be another saint that's sitting next to you down the road that's struggling, that's having a hard time, that's just needing some help. You can be an encouragement to them. You can help them along the way. You can help another brother earn their crown. I like to think about that. Paul said, I need you to come and help me. He said, why should I serve God? It's to comfort those other saints that are beside you. Well, lastly, and I'm done. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 10. The Bible says, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You say, preacher, why should I serve God? It's because of a concern. You see, Demas, he loved the world more than he loved God. And he was too worried about going after and getting the things that he wanted in the world before he died than he was serving God. He said, preacher, why serve God in times like these? You know, can't we just be quiet? Can't we just stay under the radar and try to get through everything that's going on? Can't we just enjoy God without serving him? I say, why would we serve him? It's because we love him. We love him more than our old life. We love him more than our present life, more than our future life, more than anything that he's given to us, more than anything that he's going to do for us. We love him. Can I tell you, if we're serving God because we have compassion on somebody, we want to see somebody get saved, that's good. We're to serve him because we love him. Because if we serve him to see people get saved, those people may not get saved and we'll get discouraged and quit. But if we love him, we serve him because we love him. There'll never be a time when he's unlovable. There's never be a time when he is not worthy of of our love. He will always be worthy of our love. We say, preacher, why should I serve him? Why should I just keep on keeping on? It's because we love him. So if you're going to do anything for God, you're going to have to have a love for him. If you don't have a love for God, then I really don't know if you need to be serving him in the first place. You need to be figuring out what's wrong in your life. You say, preacher, how do I know that I need to keep serving God? What's going to keep me serving God? It'll be our love for him. The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we love him, we'll live, live for him and just keep going on. You know, having a burden and all those things is great, but if we do that, just for that reason, it'll never last. And I tell you, do you, do, you wanna, do you love Him? Do you want to love Him more? Just keep keeping on. Do you want to help others? Just keep keeping on. Do you want to crown the wear and lay at His feet? Just keep keeping on. Do you want to obey God and do everything He's told you to do? Be in perfect harmony and perfect fellowship with Him. Just keep keeping on. Can I tell you, somebody's got to. Somebody's got to take their place of the ones who's already gone on. Somebody's got to preach if nobody listens. Somebody's got to hand out a track if they never accept it. Somebody's got to live for God if nobody ever notices. Can I tell you tonight, we've got to keep keeping on. Times may be bad. People may not listen. 
they may not want anything to do with us. You say, preacher, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? Supposed to just keep keeping on. Can I tell you, now's not the time to quit. Like he said the other day, now's the time to go on and do more for God. We're living in the most exciting times of any any nation, any time in our history. I tell you, are we going to stop right now and just fail God right here on the brink of a miracle, on the brink of Him coming back, on the brink of Him being here to help us? No, now's the time to keep keeping on. No matter what happens, no matter who listens, no matter if they do what we ask them to, no matter if anybody ever gets saved, it's time to just keep keeping on.